light when the bright and glorious morning I shall see. I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side, and His smile will be the first to welcome me. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, and redeem my side I shall stand. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, by the prints of the nails in His hand. Oh, the soul thrilling rapture when I view His blessed face, and the luster of His kindly beaming page 340. I know my white God's grace to me he hath made Oh, me, him and me. 
Page 310. announcements go all we got on the list right now is this coming Sunday after morning service brother Terry will be having adult choir practice so remember that and you'll linger behind for a little while and he said he won't keep you too long probably about three hours somewhere around in there so anyway did y'all notice how little my water cups getting when I first started here my water cup was that tall and Terry told me the bigger they are, the longer you preach. And he's got it now where all they order is those little tiny cups. 
He's a happy man. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Um, on our prayer list tonight, we've got a lot of our own on there. Uh, on my prayer list at the very top is my wife, Miss Debbie. You be sure to pray for her. We leave tomorrow around, uh, we've got to be down at Grady at, 11, at 1 o'clock and uh, meet with the neurovascular surgeon and see what he's got to say. And we're anxious to have a doctor tell us something. So you pray for Miss Deb and, and uh, us as we travel. Also, Rhonda Cochran, a friend of ours, has just found out she's got cancer. Sue's family, Brenda Merritt, which is uh, Brother Clifford Allen, called me the other day, asked us to pray for her. She's uh, his niece and just needing prayer for her. Also, Peggy Phillips, Peggy Jackson, Ricky Meeks, Brother Tommy's brother, need to continue praying for him. Jody Bennett, Dawn Sisk, Martha Wilkerson, and Jackie and Brent Patterson. How about your prayer list tonight, your prayer request? Anybody? Anyone else tonight? Got somebody. What's her name? Anyone else tonight? Anyone else we need to pray for? Anybody? All right. Let's all gather around these altars and pray over these requests and be faithful to do that as, as God's people. I'm so thankful that the Lord has given us the opportunity in the ministry of prayer. So you come and let's, let's gather together and pray over these requests.
she's playing softly. Uh, if you got any missionary money you want to give tonight, you can bring it at this time. And also our Bible study sheets are on the table. Come get one of those and we'll go through that in just a moment together. so much. Isn't our orchestra wonderful? Amen. Give me a hand. Yeah. The book of Matthew, chapter number five tonight, the book of Matthew get this hooked up like I'm supposed to. Am I on now? Those guys up there in the PA booth, they're good too. We don't want to leave them out and praising them. I, I thank God for everybody that takes a part in our ministry. And, uh, and I, I play such a small part in what God's doing, but I'm thankful to be a part. And uh, it's a blessing to do anything for Jesus Christ, whatever it is. Matthew chapter 5, we've been studying through the Beatitudes, and we're going to study the next to the last one, and uh, this will be the eighth one altogether, and uh, so we want to look at it, but I want to begin in verse number 1 and, and read through all of them again, just for the impact of, of what the Lord is teaching, and it says it like this, beginning in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 1. It said, in seeing the multitudes, I was thinking as I was reading this on the platform tonight, that the multitudes always moved the Lord. Every time he saw a crowd of people, a group of people, it, it moved him to do something. He saw the multitudes one time, the Bible says that he had compassion upon them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. But here he's looking at this multitude and says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, when he was set, I don't believe he sat down. I believe he kicked his heels into the side of that mountain. And he readied himself and then he reared back and he preached to the people. It said, And when he was set, his disciples came unto him and he opened his mouth again as I was sitting on the platform tonight. I was thinking about all the things that the Lord was all, was op, had opened. He opened his mouth. He opened the scriptures. He opened the tomb. And he opened the way to heaven. Amen. A lot of preaching just right there in those few verses. It said he opened his mouth and he taught them saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And I 
our beatitude for the night, verse number 10, it says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll begin our study together tonight of this eighth beatitude. Our Heavenly Father, tonight, Lord, as we gather, Lord, before your throne, we're so thankful that we can call upon that mighty name, that name which is above every name that's ever been named. And we thank you, Lord, that you give us access and you give us opportunity and you give us authority, Lord, by that mighty name of Jesus Christ. And Father, tonight as we come before you, Lord, we're thankful. We're a blessed people, truly. Lord, will all of these blessings, Lord, come from the mouth of the Lord. And I'm so thankful, Lord, to be a part of what you've spoken. And Father, tonight in Jesus' name, we're asking you, Lord, to open up our hearts. Open them up wide, Lord, that we might receive that engrafted word, which is able to save our souls. And God, help us to learn something from you tonight. And we're thankful for everything that you'll accomplish, all that you'll do. Lord, all these names that were named tonight in prayer request. Lord, we're thankful that you know every name, you know every need, you know the nature of every need. And Lord, we're so thankful that, Lord, you know exactly what needs to be done on every behalf. So God, we're so, so thankful that we com can commend into the hands of God every request of our hearts now, Father, bless tonight's study in Jesus Christ's name. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. Let's begin tonight with our study sheet together. And we'll just go through this together the way that we've been going. And we've been looking at the Beatitudes with this thought in mind. That He's teaching us what our attitudes should be concerning things that we will encounter as we live out our lives for Jesus Christ. He's teaching us. Uh, for example the very first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The next one. Blessed are they that mourn. And that's what our attitude should be. With certain things. We looked at the first one. of a, That's what our attitude should be. Towards our own spirits. Then the second one. Blessed are they that mourn. We looked at that. As what I should be towards suffering. And on and on and on. We've gone through these Beatitudes one at the time. And learning what our attitude should be about different things. That will, our lives will be involved with. And now we come to verse number 10 tonight. Where it said, blessed are they which are, which are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's look at our study sheets together and we'll go through this and you can read along with us as we read it to you. It said the Lord has been teaching his congregation important principles which are involved when one chooses to live for him. He tells them that they are blessed when they mourn, when they are poor in spirit, when they are meek, and when they hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now he informs them that they are blessed when they are persecuted. For righteousness sake. Listening to the Lord teach these truths would make one realize that there are many blessings associated with living for Jesus. Also, the Beatitudes forces one to consider this truth. There is a cost when one chooses to live for Christ. 
on a day when Jesus had one of his largest audiences, he taught them some of the hardest sayings of his ministry. He did not try to sugarcoat his message nor avoid the subject at hand. He told them the raw truth. Listen as Jesus looks at this group of people and tells them a truth that we need to understand. And it said, and there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot bear my disciple. Now let me stop there just for a moment and, and, and explain this to you. He's not telling us that we should hate our mamas and, and dads and our sisters and our own selves. He's just using this as a comparison between love and hate. And our love for the Lord Jesus Christ ought to be the ultimate love. He ought to be the first and and most thing uh, person that we love. As compared to my love for Debbie, my love for the Lord should be greater than my love for Debbie. And that's what the Lord is saying in these verses. Now, back to our study sheet. Jesus is not teaching what it costs to be saved. We know for anyone to be saved, it is a free gift of God. Salvation costs the believer nothing, but our salvation costs Jesus Christ everything. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What the Lord is teaching in these verses, however, concentrates on the cost a saved person must consider when they decide to follow the Lord. There will be a cost when one chooses to follow the Lord, but the blessings far outweigh the cost. Emphasizing the thought of someone counting the cost, the Lord gives an illustration of someone building a tower. Continuing in Luke chapter 14, Jesus said this. He said, For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Many people make a hasty decision that they will follow the Lord and they start out wide open for Jesus. But then something happens along the way and the cost factor becomes too much for them to handle and they are not willing to suffer the consequences of following Jesus. One day Jesus had a man offer himself in full service of following the Lord. Listen how Jesus responded to his initial proposal. In Matthew chapter 8 verse 19 and 20 we read that account. It said, And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Watch Jesus now. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Uh, how would you like? How would you like for the Lord? You come up to Jesus, and said, "Hey, Jesus, I'm going to follow you all the way." And Jesus looks at you and says, "I can't even offer you a place to stay. 
I can't even offer you a house to live in. I don't even have a place to stay. That's what he's telling this man. And what he's, what he's inferring to him is that there is a cost that we must consider if we are truly going to sell out our lives to Jesus Christ and live our lives for him. Jesus, back to our study sheet, Jesus described in detail for him what it would mean to follow him. Jesus created and owned everything, yet he had no earthly home to call his own. He did not own his own bedstead, mattress, or any covers. Even though he was rich, for our sakes, he purposefully became the poorest of the poor. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, we read these words, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet look at it, for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. There's no doubt about it. Jesus counted the cost of leaving heaven and coming to our world. He knew full well what it meant to leave His throne and walk and live among those who were made a little lower than the angels. Yet He came. He personally knows the cost of living for someone else. Anyone who desires to follow Jesus Christ needs to know the truth of that decision. There will be consequences that will not be favorable nor pleasant. That is what Jesus is teaching in this beatitude. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There will be persecution for those who decide that their life is going to count for their Savior. Deciding to live for Jesus should not be a flippant decision. Making the choice to live for Jesus is to make a choice of whose side you are on. Throughout the ages, God's men have demanded that choice to be made by God's people. Exodus 32 verse 26 says it like this, Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. Elijah asked them whose side they were on by saying these words, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. For someone to follow the Lord is to decide to forsake wrong thinking, wrong living, and the wrong company. For a child of God to try and live for both right and wrong is an impossibility. No plainer words could have been spoken about this truth than those of Jesus. In Luke chapter 11, verse 23, we read this that the Lord said. He said, He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth. Then again in Luke chapter 16, verse 13, he says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one, Love the other or else he would hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Jesus is looking for those who will live for him no matter the cost. And there needs to be a consideration among those who desire that course. 
First, let's consider the reality of persecution. For anyone to truly follow the Lord will mean that those who oppose the teachings of Jesus will persecute without mercy those who are sold out to Him. In 2 Timothy 3.12, the Word of God says this, Yea, this is a positive statement, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It has always been that way from the beginning of time. Paul made an amazing analogy in a statement he made in the book of Galatians chapter 4, verse 29. He said this, But as then, then he that was born of the flesh persecuted him that was born after the Spirit, even so is it now. He was speaking of the two children first born to Abraham, Ishmael and Isaac. Simply put, one was born wrong and the other was born right. Ishmael was born out of sin, but Isaac was born out of God's blessings. Sin and God's blessings are always at opposing spectrums. Those who live for sin will always persecute those who live for the Spirit of God. There are only two sides in life the devil's side, and the Lord's side. And again, no one can serve both. So a choice must be made. Better is the life of the one who decides to live for Jesus than the one who follows hard after sin. Can I get a witness right there? I've had people say, I've heard people get up and say, testify, I've heard them testify, I mean, ever since I've been saved. It is so hard to live for Jesus is harder to live for sin. Living for sin is the hardest life there is. I had somebody tell me the other day, said, when you put alcohol in there, it complicates everything. When you put sin in anything, it complicates everything. Where are we at? Persecution may be your lot in life when you choose to live. You know what Jesus Christ said? He said, woe be unto you when all men speak well of thee. When you got everybody patting you on the back, talking about what a good Joe you are, <laughs> you ain't standing for nothing. You stand for Jesus Christ, you're going to make enemies in this world. I promise you that. Persecution may be your lot in life when you choose to live right, but the outcome will always be far better. Daniel purposed in his heart to live his life for the Lord in the foreign land of Babylon. And his life was far better than those who lived for the world. We read about it in Daniel chapter 1. It said, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Then we read verse 15 about that. And at the end of ten days, their countenances appeared fatter, fairer, and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Not only will there be the natural benefits of living for the Lord, there will, is also the spiritual benefits. The book of Daniel goes on to tell the rest of the story. In verse 17, it says this, As for these four children... Look at this. God gave them. Why? Because they purposed in their heart to live for Him. I'd rather have God on my side any day of the week than 
20 million people of the devil on my side. I'd rather have God on my side than I had all the rest of the world on my side. It said, as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You do know that's Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. That's their original names. That's their Hebrew names. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego was their Babylonian names. Therefore stood they before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, look at this, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. The world will not like it when you choose to live for Jesus because it is in opposition to the way that they live. But that is also their choice. For example, the homosexual agenda of our generation seeks to claim they were born that way. The truth of the matter is that it is a choice they consciously make. They decide what the Bible says about unnatural affections is wrong, thus choosing to seek that lifestyle. When anyone lives their lives God's way, it will always rile the ones who will not. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 27, I found this yesterday as I was working on this study. It says, an unjust man is an abomination to the just. Watch this. And he that is upright in the way is abomination to the wicked. (laughs) That's the reality of persecution. Now let's look at the reason for persecution. The most persecuted person who ever lived was Jesus Christ. He lived his entire life in true righteousness. He never sinned. He told everyone the truth. He had compassion on the multitudes and healed their sick, fed them when they were hungry, stilled their storms and raised their dead. And even though he did them nothing but good, they persecuted him. And the reason the persecutors did so was for envy. Pilate tried several times to release Jesus and he boldly claimed that he could find no fault in him, yet they wanted him crucified on the cross. They envied his life. That's why why the ungodly does not like those who choose to live for Jesus. They honestly envy the way we're living, but they just will not break away from their sin and give it up to live that way. Mark chapter 15, verse 9 and 10 says this, But Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews, speaking of Jesus? For he knew that the chief priest had delivered him for envy. They hated his teaching, his truth, and his testimony. His life revealed how wrong they were. And if anyone decides to stand for Jesus, they can expect the same. We read these words in John 15 from the mouth of Jesus. He said, if the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. 
But because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not sinned. But now they have no cloak for their sin. When Jesus Christ came, he, he shined the light on all of their sin by living right. In John 3, verse 19 and 20, or the uh, paragraph right before that, just as Adam and Eve tried to hide their sin and shame with fig leaves, those living in opposition to the Word of God do the same. Anyone living for Jesus Christ will shine the light of Jesus into a dark world. There will be some who despise and hate the light because their deeds are evil. John 3, 19 and 20 says it like this. It says, and this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. They just don't want to give up their sins. But there are also will be those who are looking for light. And the light reflected through the life of the righteous will give them hope and influence them in God's way. A child of God should always be an influence for right living rather than the wrong. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 16 says it like this. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. If you're going to live for Jesus, you cannot hide that light. Let your light so shine before men, he says, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Jesus said that those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake would be rewarded. When someone makes a choice to live for Jesus and others persecute them for it, Jesus is taking notes. Every person who has ever suffered for the namesake of Christ will be rewarded in this life and in the world to come. It is truly an honor to suffer for the cause of Christ all through the Bible Accounts are recorded of those who suffered for righteousness' sake. The early church suffered persecution. We read about it in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. It says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Paul suffered persecution. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 10 and 11, he speaks of it. He said, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, my purpose, my faith, long-suffering, charity, patient, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Moses suffered persecution. We read about his, he choosing 
that path for his life. In Hebrews chapter 11, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Many of the Old Testament saints suffered persecution. We read about them again in Hebrews 11. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sown asunder, they were tempted, were slain with a sword. Were, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And we think we got it bad. We think we got it bad when somebody gets a little nasty with us when we try to witness to them. We think we've really suffered now. Or we've not even touched the hem of suffering when it comes to persecution. We in America are spoiled. Can I get a witness right there? We who are saved have the greatest of reasons why we should live for Jesus and suffer the persecutions that the world will certainly deal to us. It is more of an honor to live for righteousness and suffer for it than it is to live for wrong and suffer for it. And Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. He said, he said this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, and ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. The disciples of the early church counted it a badge of honor to suffer for the cause of Christ. And that's chapter 5, verse 40 through 42. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. Now watch this. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Not only did they rejoice as they suffered the persecution, they continued doing what had gotten them in trouble. That is the same tenacity that this world needs to see from Christians today. We know that persecution will come. Instead of hiding from it, we should have the right attitude about it. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And all of God's people said, Amen, amen and Amen. I just wonder if, and we don't know, we don't know how bad it may get in this world before the church does leave and we are leaving and, and we're leaving before the tribulation but we do not know how bad it's going to get before. I just wondered if, if the government came out and said 
that you can't say anything about Jesus Christ anymore. I wondered how many Christians would obey the government in that regard. Or how many would have the boldness and the and that much God, that conscience toward God that Peter spoke about, that we'd keep opening our mouth like these early disciples did and go ahead and suffer the persecution anyway. I pray, I pray that I would have enough of God about me, enough of a thankful heart that I'd keep opening my mouth for the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter what they might do. So y'all pray. Y'all pray for me that I would always have the boldness to do so. Let's all stand tonight. Brother Clay, how about you dismiss this in a word of prayer?